Hamish and Gathering. We're starting a new series today called Faith After Doubt. Um, and as I think through this series, I'm reminded that some things in life just don't work for us anymore. Um, like getting batteries for your CD player or rewinding the tape to take it back to Blockbuster or pulling out a huge paper folding map from the glove box of your car. Some things just don't work like they used to. We don't need them anymore. Um, and some paradigms for like how we see the world don't work for us anymore either. And it was only a few hundred years ago that we used to believe that the earth was flat, that the earth was the center of the universe. That wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, sometimes new info that kind of challenges our thinking and causes doubt can be really hard to grasp. Um, there's a cultural anthropologist, Genevieve Bell, she calls this moral panic where anything new that challenges our understanding of uh, time, space, and one another tends to cause hysteria. Um, and a bizarre example of this is when trains became widespread in like the late 1800s. It was believed that traveling at the speed of a train at 50 miles per hour could cause insanity and that it would cause women's uteruses to fly out of their bodies. And they said women's bodies were not designed to go at 50 miles an hour. So cultural anthropologist Genevieve Bell says that when we're faced with new situations, information that changes our perception of the world, we don't always know what to do with it. Sometimes it makes us say and do some crazy things and it kind of freaks us out. Um, and sometimes that happens when our religious beliefs are challenged and when we begin to doubt some of the things that we've been taught. Um, and we learn about history that causes us to kind of reinterpret some things in the Bible. Or, or maybe we have a child or a friend that comes out to us and all of a sudden we um, have to look at the Bible in a different way that goes against maybe what our church believes. Um, when Einstein was faced with some scientific data that had forced him to change his thinking. He said this, it was as if the ground had been pulled out from under one with no firm foundation to be seen anywhere upon which one could have built. Sometimes when we're faced with that new information that challenges us, it's like someone pulled the rug out from under us and we're not sure what to stand on anymore. Maybe it's felt like that for you at some point in your faith journey. Um, maybe it's led to some feelings of loneliness or maybe the loss of a church community, loss of family relationships and friends. So when this new series that we're diving into is based on um, kind of how we process some of that doubt and that loss and how we hopefully reconstruct, restore some of our, um, our beliefs, our faith and, and what we do with all of that. And uh, so Brian McLaren, he's a friend of Mission Gathering, and his, his book is called Faith After Doubt, Why Our Beliefs Stopped Working and What to Do About It. And I encourage you to read that with us this month. Um, in this book, he kind of explores ways that doubt can be kind of a path towards a deeper faith. And many of us have heard the term deconstruction. And during this series, I hope we can have some tools to kind of help us reconstruct. So Brian McLaren highlights four stages of faith that we tend to go through. And um, what is key throughout these stages of faith is that the doorway from one stage to the next is doubt. Doubt is what leads to growth and change. 
And so as we go through these stages, I want to encourage you to look and see if you find yourself in any of those stages at any point in your life, in your faith journey. The first stage that Ryan mentions is uh, simplicity, stage one. I like simple. The first stage is there, there are clear lines between good and bad, right and wrong, correct and incorrect beliefs. And in this stage, we tend to have authority figures, maybe a pastor or Bible study leader, um, who tells you what those things are, the right and wrong ways to think. Um, and we do this with infants. We, I mean, babies have very little concept of anything outside their own internal needs and wants. So after a couple of years, parents have to give them kind of some structure. I mean, parents are that authority figure that kind of teaches them right and wrong, good and bad, and the rewards and the punishments that go along with those. Um, and that first stage is kind of necessary to start teaching us how to become independent humans who can survive and thrive. And stage one applied to faith is really similar. You know, that right and wrong, good and bad, and that authority figure to kind of tell us what those are. And, and sometimes that stage one faith can kind of come across um, if you're beyond that stage as judgmental or combative, kind of creating these boundaries of us and them. And uh, any kind of questioning or doubt in that stage is seen as a failure or weakness or sin. Um, and there's a pastor, a Bible study leader, who's always there to tell you what to think and what's right and wrong and what's sinful and not, and who's part of our group and who's not. Um, some people never really move out of that first stage spiritually. Um, but in life, as we grow into adolescence, we're taught to become more independent and we may begin to doubt some of those authority figures. We kind of, kind of doubt whether our parents are always right. Teen angst, right? I remember those days. We kind of push the boundaries, test the boundaries a bit to figure out if what our parents are telling us is right and wrong is really true. And that doubt leads to stage two. Stage two in the faith journey, um, Brian says, is called complexity. We begin to figure out who we are kind of apart from those authority figures. We ask questions and we explore. And in this stage, life is more like a, a game. Like you can succeed or you fail. You win or lose. You um, succeed or fail in class, on tests. You win or lose in sports. And in this stage, hopefully parents, that authority figure becomes less like police and more like coaches and encouragers. And so when we apply this to faith and spirituality, God becomes not just an authority, but a friend and like an encourager. And that's a good thing. And, um, and the, the question often becomes in this stage, kind of what are the steps to succeed in my faith? How do we, I become a good Christian? Um, and in this stage too, doubt is more of like a problem to be solved. And, and a good Christian life means joy and excitement and bliss. And, and for me, I remember it was the taking my Bible to school every day so I could witness and share my joy with others. And there's this excitement around like learning to be a good, successful Christian. And then sometimes when things like pain, suffering, um, questions creep in, doubt enters into that stage too. Um, we begin to see maybe some damage done by churches, institutions, and we learn, um, we start to lose some trust maybe in our spiritual leaders. And, and for me, it involved going to college and learning some of the scholarship about historical context of the Bible. And I, I began questioning some of the interpretations that I've been given. And um, 
part of that journey for me involved my father being uh, fired from the evangelical church that he started because he questioned the Bible and he refused to condemn our uh, LGBTQIA family. And, and the loss from that caused a whole new level of doubt in me. Um, and those kind of life-shattering, faith-shattering moments lead to stage three. Uh, stage three is called perplexity. Um, it's kind of the deconstruction stage. It's the buzzword these days, deconstruction. And it, understandably so, because right now we're seeing the largest number of people ever in history leaving churches and leaving churches that are often more focused on the stage one and two faith. So people in stage three often see and have experienced and felt the damage done by church and begin to question everything that's been taught about faith. And with that comes sometimes loss of beliefs of family, friends, church, community. And, um, but Brian suggests that it's kind of a necessary stage and that there are good aspects of this stage because by doubting, our institutions and we we doubt groupthink we begin to pull back the curtain and kind of see some of the abuse and the danger that is there and needs to be uh, revealed and highlighted so stage three the bliss and the good feelings of our faith from stage two maybe start to lessen and begin to question um, you know why can't i feel god like i used to um, Mother Teresa felt that deeply, and, and she wrote about that in her journals. But this stage three of perplexity can also bring gifts of honesty and humility and openness to other views, curiosity, a commitment to search for um, truth. We begin to acknowledge, I really don't know as much as I thought I did. Uh, there's this, I remember feeling excitement when it came across like a new way of understanding God or the Bible, it was kind of a freeing feeling. Um, for some people, it's a scary feeling, but I felt excited. I remember the box, feeling like the box that I had stuffed God into started to grow and expand. And eventually, God just burst out the box and there was no more box. And there's just this openness to God, to truth, wherever I found it. And, and that's a good gift that comes with stage three. Um, we find stage three in the Bible. Just read Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. I mean, the author is definitely having a stage three perplexity moment. Uh, and we see these examples kind of throughout Scripture. Jesus was raised in a Jewish household and the synagogue. And I can't help but wonder if he experienced kind of these stages, one, two, three, four of faith. And we certainly see him questioning the authority of religious leaders questioning their doctrine and their rules and um, beginning to value perspectives and people who are outside of his tradition. Um, so we see that stage three in the, uh, the life, the teachings of Jesus, and uh, especially in the moments before and during his, his death. And he really expressed those. We see those in the Gospels. Um, the author who wrote Life of Pi said if Christ spent an anguished night in prayer, like he did in the garden, if he burst out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then surely we are also permitted doubt. But we must move on, he says. 
To choose doubt as a philosophy of life is akin to choosing immobility as a means of transportation. What do you think about that? It suggests to me that doubt should not necessarily be the destination, the place we land. Doubt is the doorway to go through, and it's what took us from one stage of faith to the next. And maybe there's another stage beyond this, stage three of deconstruction. Um, and the places that we came from, those other stages, have brought with, with us some good gifts, maybe. And stage one and two taught me commitment, taught me that forgiveness is um, possible when I miss the mark. It taught me that I'm loved by God. Um, and some of the traditions that are part of the Christian traditions that were really helpful to me growing up in my faith. Um, for some of us, it's time to move on to another stage. And, and doubt can be the opportunity, the doorway to something new. Uh, Pope Francis gave this powerful, powerful quote. If one has the answers to all the questions, that is the proof that God is not with them. It means that he is a false prophet using religion for himself. The great leaders of the people of God, like Moses, have always left room for doubt, and you must leave room for the Lord, not for our certainties. We must be humble. In Galatians, Paul is challenging kind of the value of these religious rules and doctrines that he had grown up with, and he says, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that matters. So when we are not sure where to stand, when we feel like the faith rug has been pulled out from under us, it's a helpful reminder to me the only thing that matters is faith that expresses itself through love. I can get behind that. Um, Brian McLaren writes, faith before doubt, it's about correct beliefs, but faith after doubt, it's about revolutionary love. I think that's what Jesus points us to in the Gospels. And he tells his disciples in uh, John 13, he says, they'll know that you are my followers by your correct beliefs. He does not say that. He says, they'll know that you're my followers by your love for one another. And I've been in stage three for a long time. Um, I was tired, though, of being angry. I was ready to move on to a better way of being. Uh, I was tired of the bitterness that came with that. Uh, and there is another place after that. And Brian says stage four is called harmony. And over the next few weeks, we're going to learn together how to kind of live into that stage, that next stage of faith. So I hope that after the dust settles and after the anger and confusion starts to lessen from uh, some of that deconstruction, that the words of 1 Corinthians 13 really will start to feel true to us. All that remains is faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So I hope you'll join us for the next few weeks as we kind of learn what it could look like to build a faith like that, a trust, an openness to truth wherever it is that is rooted in love in the way of Jesus. So Jake is going to lead us in a song about doubt and I invite you in these moments to take some food and drink that you have available to you and as symbols of the, the Eucharist meal and during this song to meditate on your own faith journey and uh, where you've come from, 
the gifts that it brought you, the pain that it brought you, and um, to be open to what, what might be next in your faith journey. Um, so I want to offer a communion meditation uh, for you as you gather your food and drink, and uh, we'll spend some time uh, in prayerful meditation as Jake plays these songs. <laughs> 